Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Product Launch Podcast. As always, my name is Sean Boyce from Next Step. Today, the guest I have with me is my friend Srini from Teco2. Hi, Srini. How are you? And thank you for being with us. Sean, thank you. And uh, I appreciate the opportunity. Um, a pleasure Absolutely. to podcast with you. Yeah, for sure. For starters, how about you give both myself and our listeners here a little bit of background on yourself and what Teco2 is? Yeah, definitely, Sean. Um, again, uh, my name is Srini Jaka. I'm the founder and CEO of Teco2. Uh, I've been uh, building software for over 25 years. You know, I've worked at uh, some of uh, some leading organizations that provided very entrepreneurial kind of freedom uh, to build their technology assets. You know, and uh, I founded Teco2 in 2008. So what uh, Teco2 does is, you know, we have uh, we have a very unique approach in uh, building software. Uh, we serve uh, two different segments. You know, uh, we serve the enterprise segment, where the focus is mostly on the uh, standards and organizational practices, if you will. You know, very disciplined way of doing things. You know, and uh, we also serve the startup market. You know, where the focus is on lean, uh, lean approaches and uh, rapid development. You know. Uh, but I think our specialty lies in how we use our uh, these complementary experiences we have with these um, uh, with this other segment. Uh, for instance, we try to bring it, you know, while focusing on the um, standards and uh, organizational practices for the enterprise market, we also bring in our complementary set of, you know, the lean and rapid development to the enterprise market. Whereas working with the startups, you know, we try to bring in the enterprise robustness and scalability aspect of that to the startups, if you will. You know? Nice. Yeah, that's a healthy blend. I could definitely see how both groups could benefit from the approach more of kind of what works best in each environment. So that's cool. Yeah. I like it. Talk to us a little bit more about kind of the startup companies you work with both myself and a number of uh, our listeners are kind of in that early stage emerging market crowd, building early stage software product businesses. So talk to us a little bit more about the kind of companies that you help in that category and maybe some ideas of the type of projects that you guys work on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm, uh, I'm very passionate working with startups. In the last 12 years, I would say we worked with uh, over 60 different startups. Um, in uh, various stages, uh, we, we predominantly uh, start working with them in uh, pre-seed and seed uh, kind of early stages, if you will. Uh, and uh, we do have clients that uh, get to the maturity level, you know, like CDC funding, you know, if you're looking at the uh, financial stability and all that, you know. But I think uh, um, what we do um, for, uh, uh, you know, for the startups, varies based on, you know, what stage they are in, you know, for uh, most of the pre-seed and seed uh, uh, kind of early stage startups, you know, we work on their uh, uh, ideation, discovery, you know, a um, lot of technology strategy, you know, prototypes, MVPs, and uh, version ones, uh, obviously a lot of uh, uh, technology and business pivots, if you will, you know, uh, so that's what we work on. And as they mature and on the growth cycle, um, you know, uh, 
we kind of scale back, you know, for most of those clients, you know, while they're building their uh, uh, their own staff and their own teams, if you will, we kind of scale back and you know we're working on special projects for them, you know, um, like uh, you know providing elasticity, you know. Um, but most of our work, you know, like the real additional work lies with the uh, early stage startups, you know, because you know they have. Uh, very few resources and uh, you know and, and we try to bring in not just the technology but uh, business uh, side of thinking you know how to build the product you know um, that kind of ideation and, and the journey if you will. Excellent for sure and so you mentioned a lot of different type of service offerings ideation discovery working with MVPs you know with your experience on the engineering and product side there's always so many questions about that aspect of building a software product business. So I'm curious from your perspective, you know, what, what advice would you have for those looking to build, you know, an early stage software product company, where would you start? Uh, advice. I would say it's a loaded uh, question. I know <laughs> a loaded question. Definitely. Uh, but I would say, well, I would suggest stick to the basics. Number one, I would say always vet it out, you know, vet out your idea, you know, speak, you know, always speak to people, uh, listen in. Uh, one of the common things, one of the common mistakes I see is uh, um, startup companies think that they build the product once, they build the software once and make an uh, incremental revenue on that. That's the expectations they have, you know, and that's not going to work because the only way you're going to uh, make incremental revenue is you providing incremental value you know so oh, that being said um, I see some startups coming up with a scope for MVP that is so huge and like takes like in uh, a year to build an MVP or they try to scale back and uh, they try to squeeze in that one year worth of work in uh, like two three months well obviously that doesn't work Again, the point is uh, building a product um, is way different than executing a project. You know, I would say that, you know, if you're a software product company, a startup, you know, you're executing a series of projects, you know, you know, during that journey, you're trying to take your business from point A to point B. And also, you know, the, the journey within the journey, you're trying to understand what your uh, uh, customers or clients want. You know, um, you should always realize that you have the basic idea. It's a very good idea. You know, that's why you embarked on this journey. But you, your biggest, um, what do you call it? Your biggest task is understanding what exactly the clients need. You know, um, I, I, I think that's where uh, um, I, I see a lot of mishaps. You know, they think that uh, they have the whole spec ready, you know, and... Uh, how do you know that that is the spec? How do you know that that is what your clients want? You know, you got you to take your clients through your journey you know, and learn from that. You know, uh, oftentimes they understand that too late in the game. You know, um, so that's my biggest advice is uh, don't try to uh, come up with a big MVP. You know, um, it's not, you know, your consumers are uh, either it's a, uh, uh, B2C or B2B, they're not expecting you to build something, uh, you know, that they can work with. They want to be part of this. They want to be part of the journey of this 
and, and provide their feedback and, and value into the system. That's such great advice. And I see it all the time is not focusing enough on the customer and their needs, what you said. The other, I think, big mistake I see oftentimes as well, too, is starting with trying to solve everything and be all things to all people, which, like you said, leads to a very complicated first version of your product, which for so many reasons is typically not the right approach. So I'm sure you see this probably even more than I do because you guys are on the engineering side of things, Teco too. So talk to me about how you how you start these conversations when people that come to you and they want to build these early stage products and they want it to be all things to all people. Like how do you yeah. help them understand that they need to take a different approach? Well, um, that's a very good question. Um, see, I think it varies, um, depends on how we got into the situation, how we got into the relationship, you know, uh, for instance, you know, we, in the 60 different engagements uh, I, I kind of mentioned earlier, you know, there, there are different stages and different capacities, if you will. You know, like we see scenarios where we start with ideation right away, where a founder has an idea and they want to ideate and discover, you know, the whole process of how to get there. And then you see scenarios where people think they have a spec and they want you to build to the spec, you know, and then, uh, there are scenarios where you get parachuted in because there is a you know bad relationship with a you know, technology provider and you know and you need to go in and fix that you know and we also see scenarios where uh, you get your prototype or MVP built by some other team okay and it kind of did its purpose but that's not the direction they want to go with so we are tasked to work on the uh, version one uh, you know of the mainstream app if you will you know. Um, but uh, if we had the chance to, uh, or that we had the luxury and if the, if the founder has the luxury to uh, do it right, you know, from the beginning or at some point, what I would do is, you know, I would uh, just go through an ideation and discovery process. That's, that's the first thing we would do. And uh, one of the things, you know, I, we try to tell them is, hey, don't approach this as a project. Don't approach, you know, approach this is, it's a totally product mindset, you know, where, you, don't, you just don't build it and expect people to use it forever. You know, you, you, you build it and, and people, you know, your consumers don't want to get a big complicated product and try to learn and, and you know, that's not what they're expecting. They want, they expect, in a, especially from a startup, they do want, they do compare that with uh, one of the latest high-tech um, products out there, but they do understand that it's not a complete product, which is, that's not a bad thing, you know, but you, they, they expect you to be, they expect to be part of the product building, you know, so it, it, it's okay to tell them that, hey, we're trying to do this big thing, but this is what we have, all right, and uh, let them use it and learn from it, you know, and uh, one of the things, you know, if we are going through ideation at some point, either in the beginning or, or, or some, you know, like during a pivot or something. One of the things I would say is for a founder, always uh, focus on the problem. You know, uh, I see several scenarios where uh, the founders are very eloquent about the solution they offer. And you turn it around and you say, what exactly is the problem you're trying to solve, right? And I see them really struggle with that. 
you know, it's not that they don't understand, but they haven't focused on the problem part, you know. But I would say that if you can uh, eloquently describe your problem, the problem you're trying to solve, I think that provides you such a, um, you know, such a great foundation because now you can think about the personas that's going to uh, interact with your product and, and you get ideas about positioning, you know, and you, you get ideas about competition and, and marketing. I mean, so many things go from there, you know. Without that, if you just focus on the solution first, you know, we're just focusing on, um, on the app itself, you know, and the software itself is not going to be your product, you know, everything together, you know, your, your marketing, your positioning and your understanding uh, of the client, you know, of the customers, that all becomes part of the product, you know, so that's where I would start. So well put, there's so much value in there that I would want to unpack in particular, starting with the problem, right? That's something that, like you said, I see a lot of it too in the early stage customers that I work with that they're very excited about what they want to make the product into. They're very excited about all the ideas they have for the product. But like you said, that's not where you want to start, right? You need to start with the problem and then everything goes from there. Everything else you mentioned, right? Positioning. I also like the fact that you refer multiple times to the customer journey, right? And that they're not expecting it to be a mature product. They want to take that journey with you though. So as long as you're helping manage expectations for them and you can set really the engagement up for success a lot better. Um, absolutely great content. Um, so other questions I have that I get asked a lot too is, right, you don't want to rush into necessarily building the product, right? And you don't want to build a product just around ideas. You want to start with problems. But the question ultimately becomes at some point, right, when is the right time to build the product? Uh, with your experience working with, you know, 60 plus startups, I'd love to hear from your perspective, you know, what signs you look for, what amount of progress seems to exist. Like, how do you know what advice to give these early stage companies as far as knowing when they're ready to build the actual product? Mm -hmm. uh, well, a um, lot of founders, a lot of startups do uh, market research prior to getting into uh, embarking on the journey. You know, they do carve out some time and some effort, you know, doing the market research, okay? And uh, then they directly get into, you know, building an MVP or whatever, right? Um, so in my opinion, your product, if you're building that software, okay, that itself needs validation as well. So, you know, um, you know, you're doing the market research and you say that, well, you know, um, I'm, I'm trying not to bring in a real world scenario, you know, you know, so that it doesn't resonate with the, one of the things we have worked on, you know, trying to be, you know, very hypothetical here. Um, so let's say, you know, they do the market research and say that this is all the features that we want to build in, you know, and, and there is this bias, you know, being a founder, you know, you put your sweat and, you know, thought process into this. So every single thing you think that, hey, that's part of the MVP, you know, that adds value, you know. Uh, but the thing is, um, you could just, then when are you doing the validation? If your MVP is supposed to be uh, what you think is, is used for the market validation, and your MVP is so big, you know, um, so then you're not doing the validation at the right time, you know. 
So one of the things I, I would always advise is your MVP should never take more than three to four months to build it, no matter how big it is. If it is, if it is taking longer than that, I think you got to slice it down. Slice, slice down your features, right? And I think there are uh, customers willing to work with it. And maybe you, you're doing a freemium model, you know, just to test out and, and you know, uh, also, the, a lot of the pilot groups people talk about. Uh, I think pilot groups is a very tricky thing. You know, a lot of the times, you know, there is a lot of bias in there. You know, you're asking for your friends and family, you know, to be part of your pilot groups. You know, are taking a small set of uh, uh, your potential customers as your pilot groups. You know, and I would say that don't be afraid to get get your first version of. So as far as product build, I think right the moment you're doing your market research, you are building your product. You know, the tangible thing, you know, is something you should get it out in three to four months and have, have people use it and uh, have the courage um, to take the feedback. You know, um, one thing I always say is uh, people are always giving you the feedback. They're not just telling you the way you want it, but they are always giving you the feedback. It's up to you to figure out what they are really saying about. Absolutely, really well put. Um, for sure, a couple of things that you mentioned in there. I love the three to four months time frame because that gives you a real, that's a guide, right? It's a tangible kind of measure that you can make as far as what you're thinking about building, going and getting a quote for how long that's expected to take. It's a good guide to use to figure out right whether or not you're trying to do too much, too little, either way, and you can kind of use that as a basis to figure out where you are and kind of if you're on the right track. Another thing that you mentioned as well too was with a kind of like the focus group approach. You have to be careful with the groups that you're getting feedback from. I mentioned this and I write a lot about this as well too. I think it has a tendency to encourage kind of the, the group think component where if you're in a group of people, a couple of dominant personalities, may skew your results and you may not get absolutely the, all the information that you're looking from from everybody who's participating. Of course, in addition to the friends and family effect where we go and we ask people that really just want to tell us what we want to hear. So right. yeah, well put as well too. A lot of stuff to look out for, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Absolutely. So, I just caught something that you said. Feedback is not something what you want to hear. It's something what you should hear, what you needed to hear. True. Absolutely. Well put. Yeah. You have to be careful to listen for, right. The problems, problems and examples, I think are really helpful and not just, I think that's a great idea because that it's very hard to take action from something like that. Right. Um, and it doesn't really, it's not that actionable. It's not something that you can really use to take the next step from there or really measure. Uh, that's why I like the fact that you've given a great guide. That's like, you know, if your MVP is going to take longer than three months, you're probably looking at building something that's too complicated. Right, right. Well I mean, put. It's not just the, it's going to be loaded with features. I mean, say every startup, um, well, almost all startups, you know, struggle with capitalization, you know, and the longer you are taking to build it, you know, the, the more effort and the more money and, you know, expense you're putting into it. And, uh, uh, Right away, I see another problem that comes with it, where uh, 
you know, we all talk about how lean and nimble uh, startups should be, and they fail to act quick because of the capitalization problem. You know, so you, you spend so much in building your MVP or prototype, you know, and now you're out of out of out of cash. You can't move fast. You know, and another thing I would say is uh, um, going back to the focus group thing. I would see a lot of times you don't know where your uh, real uh, customer is. You thought that this group is your customer. You know, I think your product validation should not only give the feedback on the features and the value it's bringing in, I think it should also validate your assumptions on uh, your potential customer. So I would say that, you know, I, I hear some startups saying that we are in stealth mode. I, I'm like, you shouldn't be in stealth mode. Not in stealth mode. You know, if you are afraid that somebody is going to just hear about what you're doing and that they're going to build it by themselves, right? Well, then it's probably not a sustainable idea to begin with. I'm so glad you mentioned that. I take issue with that approach as well, too. Is that we're doing something in secret or we have like a closed beta or whatever. Like you want, it is hard enough to get your message out there about what you're doing just mm -hmm. to begin with. Don't make that any harder. And don't be afraid to like get your feelings hurt with what you're working on. That's great feedback about your product, good, bad, or otherwise. You need that. Without that data from your customers, you're not going to know where to go, right? Uh, you you know you risk ultimately the project failing. So, very well put. Awesome. Being a startup founder, you already established the fact that you're not afraid to take risks. Right. Not afraid to fail. So the whole idea of doing this product validation early on is to, you want to, if you're going to fail, fail early, right? But at the same time, learn early, so that, you know, rather than putting you know, a ton of money and ton of effort into that, you know, build something that's tangible, that's usable, you know, let people play with it and learn from it and then move on. Awesome, very well put. I can't thank you enough for being here, Srini. Uh, this is outstanding content. I have a few more questions for you before I let you go. The first of which is, any resources that you would share with myself and my audience uh, related to this content, books, blogs, any other sites, we would love to hear about those that, uh, that you may recommend. Recom <clears throat> we'd love to hear about those that you may recommend as well. Right. Well, absolutely, Sean. And um, when you speak of resources, you know, they're obviously, you know, internet is so rich, you know, as long as, well, not everything on the internet is true, but, uh, you know, as long as you can look in the right way, you know, I, would, I found Medium, uh, as one of the sites, you know, that has a lot of good content, you know, uh, vetted content, if you will, you know, and obviously a lot of books, you know, and uh, I read a lot, you know, uh, you know, like lean startups, you know, you know, uh, how stuff is built, you know, you know, how, you know, that how stuff is built talks about how they built Home Depot. Well, it's nothing to do with software, but they did build something, you know, uh, you know, things like that. And, uh, my biggest advice in terms of resources is to speak, listen, speak to people, listen what they're saying. You know, um, um, as a startup owner, go on to pitch competitions. You know, get out of that stealth mode. You know, uh, stigma. You know, go out and uh, to the pitch competitions. You know, because there's it, it again. You know. I think you learn a lot about speaking to people and understanding. I think people are willing to help. You know, they cannot tell you uh, how you need to do everything and you don't want them to tell you, 
you know, because that's your journey, you know, but at the same time, I think there are a lot of nuggets and uh, advice you can get from uh, people, uh, especially when you go to pitch competitions. Uh, I would, another thing I would say, um, you know, speak to investors, you know, whether you're raising money or not, always never uh, let go of uh, an opportunity to speak to them because, you know, they definitely have some good insight, you know, they, you know, for uh, uh, your idea and how to scale up. I mean, you know, and uh, again, you know, speak, listen, and uh, process information. Excellent. Great list of resources for sure. And then last question I have before I let you go is who should reach out to you and how can they get in touch? Um, any uh, startup founders, you know, um, in throughout the journey, um, I think um, they can reach out to me. You know, I work with uh, some of the investors and the incubator community uh, in the area, especially in the Pennsylvania area. You know, uh, they can reach out to me. Um, uh, my website, techo2.com. Uh, O2 is like uh, oxygen. O is in uh, letter O, not the digit O. And two is the digit, you know. Um, right. um, so you can uh, email me at uh, srini.jaka, S-R-E-E-N-I dot jaka, J-A-K-K-A -K -K -A, at techo2.com. Two is the digit again. Um, or you can call me 215-262-2633. You know, I'm always up for a conversation with uh, startup founders. Excellent. Thank you, Srini. And I'll include uh, that information in the show notes as well, too, so everybody can see it. All right. Thanks a lot, Thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. A lot of helpful value for myself and the listeners. Appreciate the opportunity and uh, good luck. And, and I, I so appreciate what you do for the community. Thank you. Thank you. Hey folks, Sean here, and thanks for listening to this episode. I hope you got a ton of value out of it. If you did, I'd encourage you to also sign up for my free five-day email course about launching a profitable B2B SaaS application for less than $750. If you'd like to sign up for that course, you can do so at nextstep.io forward slash B2B SaaS.